especially in sales, I never tell people to be concerned with whether the customer says yes or no. What I want you to be more concerned about is how did you present the information to the customer? And three, two, one. You're listening to The Real Social Proof Podcast with Mr. Sleepers for Suckers himself, David Shand. Let's get it. Cool. Welcome to another edition of The Social Proof Podcast where you find dope people that did dope stuff, entrepreneurs that actually built something, and um, people who know how to teach how to do what they did, man. And we have none other than uh, one of my mentors. Met this gentleman when I was 17 years old in a company called Prepaid Legal, now Legal Shield. And I was, I lied on the application because I think you had to be 18. Yep. But I was only 17. But Mr. Winder and, um, and Ms. Cardwell, rest in peace, Ms. Cardwell. Yes, rest uh, in peace. They said it was okay. So, <laughs> they wanted that membership. And, uh, well, now you're going to get them to deactivate. <laughs> he was like, uh, that's okay. But the good, it was 20 years ago, I don't think. Uh, I think they'll be fine. But uh, the... That was actually the turning point of my life. That was the turning point. And um, I was, you were one of the people that I saw on stage that hit the, you know, the, the six figures. And I'm like, yo, this guy is so cool. Because you would have these, because you still had a job. What made it so cool is that you were making money in the company and you had a six-figure job. And he always kept his checks, like, like pictures of his checks, to show, like, yo, this is what I made this week, then that week, then this week. And I was like, dang, this dude's lit. So, <laughs> the uh, book Mr. I had. Oh, for sure. <laughs> Mr. Alistair Edwards, how you feeling? Man, good, man. Honored to be on your platform. Man, it's man, it's just, it's, it's almost, I don't know if the word would be surreal, but, like, just being able to, like, look up to you is just this idol, and I still do, right? But the fact that we have um, kind of like a closer relationship, not just mentor-mentee, but I really look at you as a friend, well, that's because now it goes both ways, mm. right? It's, it's almost. I had nothing to offer back then. Uh, well, you had, you brought energy to the team, right? So here's what people don't realize: when building a team, sometimes you need a student for the for the teacher to be a good teacher. You were a student of the game, so you allowed people to be more active in their business because we had someone to teach. Mm, on, say, say that again. Say that, so, that's a, so, so that's pe- a bar. I think, I so, think so, so people don't realize that. the student is just as important as the teacher. Mm. So people wonder, how have I been in the business so long? How have you stuck with one company for 17 years in network marketing? It's because every now and then a, a new student comes along. It's, it's, it's new. Just when you think, oh, I'm done, I'm tired, it's over. You, you got someone new you get to pour into. Mm. The, t- the student is just as important as the teacher. I like that. So when you find someone that is wanting to learn and willing to learn and willing to take the information, man, that's the excitement. Yeah, man. Because the the, the goal is to make sure that you've created a success story, right? It's not just to be successful. Your success comes from creating success. And so when you find someone that says, I want success, and you get to be the one to pour into them, the the, the student is the key. That's dope. Can't be a teacher if you don't have no students. That's dope. All right, so 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 walk me through like where you are because you built up a sizable residual income. This is the first time I actually heard the word residual. I'm like, yo, what does that mean? And I think I don't know who it was. Somebody on stage. It might have been you, but he said something like, yo, you got residual bills. You need residual income. And I don't know if it was you. It was somebody. 
But I said, yo, that's right. My bills do hit they every come single every month. month. <laughs> I need some income. It's good to have me. some cash to meet it. It's good to have some cash to meet it. So um, we're over the 17 years um, of just consistency. I know there's two parts in network marketing, right? You have your residual, then you have like bonuses and stuff like that, right? Mm-hmm. So where are you at in terms of like your team, like residuals, stuff like that? Uh, my team is pretty pretty decent. Uh, I got a pretty good sized team. Um, residuals uh, probably about close to twenty grand a month. That come in no matter if you do anything. If I quit today, the business will stay still pay me that type of income. Because the work the, you did for like... the book of the business, I always say to people, "Look, what did you do ten years ago? That's still paying you today." Mm. And the better question is, "What do you plan to do today? That's going to pay you ten years from now." I love it. So. The way our system has worked, you know, is, 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 I mean, think about it. Car insurance does it. Health insurance does it. We just don't know who the, the beneficiary is, right? Yeah. The same thing. I sell a legal plan. Someone signs up for it. They pay $24.95 a month. The company advances me anywhere between $60 to $300 for the sale for the first year of the customer having the membership. Mm-hmm. But if they keep it long term, 14, 15, 16 months from now, they're paying their $24.95 because I was the one that sold them the membership, I'm eligible for anywhere from 5 to 28% of that premium for the life of the customer. Is that how insurance sales work, too? Similar. Yeah. Hmm. So, like, what is the, like, longest... Like, what what is the... the A membership that you've held the longest? I know you've had a, you've had a well, lot. Well, I started in 2003. Do you have memberships that you signed up in 2003 that still pay you today? 67% of my memberships from 2003 are still in play. What? Mm-hmm. I have a 90% persistency. So the company average is right around 78. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My team is right around 86%. My personal is 90. How do you get somebody to keep something you sold them? How do you get 90% of people to keep something that you sold them 17 years ago? Because I was very good. The team was very good. We are very good at talking about what the benefit of having the membership is. See, most people try to sell somebody the thing just to make the sale. But I always tell my customer, what you're purchasing is a lifetime service. Mm. I'm going to tell you up front if it's a lifetime service. If you call me and say, hey, you're still doing that legal thing. I got a situation. Nine times out of ten, I'm going to tell you, look for a lawyer. I'm not going to sell you my product because now you're going to, you're gonna, one, you just want it for a 911 situation. That's not what I want. I want customers. My customers are my friends. I think of their family when I sell them a membership. There's value in having access to an attorney. I mean, we see the social injustice going on in the world today, right? And you're telling me your kids are not important enough for you to put an app in their hand to where if they see blue lights behind them, they can't press a button and talk to an attorney. So by the time the officer comes to the car, they can calm the situation. That's a lifetime membership because you don't know when that life event may happen. That's lit. I have my membership. My membership, my family is covered. So I, I remember, I know that. Thanks uh, for being a customer. Oh, yeah, absolutely. 100%. 100%. That. All right, so, like, take take me back. Take me back, because you had a job and you were building this business. But first off, where, where are you from? Uh, born in England. Hmm. Born ja- in England? Yeah. I didn't know that. Born in England. Born in England to Jamaican parents. Born in England to Jamaican par- parents. Right. And when uh, I was three, we moved back to Jamaica. And so I lived in Jamaica from three to 14. Mm, what's it like over there? Oh, it's the best. You still go back? Oh yeah, oh yeah. I actually want to want to get a property down there. Buy some. I'm, I'm looking to do some property down there. Nice. Yeah, three months out of the year would be would be great. 
Gotcha. So, um, like, were you always like entrepreneurial minded? Well, uh, I was. I was both. So my dad used to draw, uh, used to run Blue Mountain Coffee, which is a big coffee uh, company in Jamaica. So he was, you know, over logistics for them. And then my mom had a variety craft shop. So she had a very one of the most, you know, very profitable craft shop where people would come in and buy jewelry, in artwork Jamaica. in Jamaica. Gotcha. So from a very early age, four, five, six, I was behind the counter selling, you know what I mean, in her shop. So I would, I, I learned business and how to handle money and customer service at a very early age. Mm. Mm. All right, so growing up, I guess, I guess so you, you were in Jamaica until 14, mm-hmm. and then you came to the States? And we moved to uh, Hollywood, Florida. Okay. Right. So I stayed in Hollywood, Florida for for high school, South Broad High School. And then I moved to um, freshman year of college. I did it in Northwestern University mm-hmm. um, and um, Kendall College mm-hmm. in Chicago. Gotcha. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. And then transferred back to Florida A&M, mm-hmm. graduated from Florida A&M, and then moved to Atlanta when I was, well, I started working with public supermarkets when I was 15. You started with Publix since 15? Yeah. My first official job in America was with Publix. That wasn't illegal? Uh, nah, I was 15 was the age. Hmm. What's the what's the working age? Yeah. Oh, gotcha. And at the time, they weren't really hiring 15-year-olds, but I remember there was the, my, the manager was Craig Berger, and I would go up there in a shirt and tie every week. At 15? At 15. So I remember, I did work at Foot Action at 15, but I... I put 16 on my application. You know what? I'm a liar. <laughs> yeah, you, you, you. I am a, I am a full-fledged liar. God, habitual. <laughs> habitual application Dang. fraud. I just, I just so felt that. That's why you had to be an entrepreneur. Oh, habitual bro. application I gotta, fraud. I got to stop all this lying. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, no, but yeah, I put, I put 16 on my application because they, they didn't check it out. Yeah, I'm, yeah, you know, I need to repent. All right, so you work at, at uh, Publix. And you're going up to Publix every day. Put a certain tile. Yeah. Eventually, Craig Berger, the manager, Craig Berger said, look, you're persistent enough. He said, come on in. I'll put you in. Who told you to do that? My parents. My, my, my dad said, look, if you... He, my dad always said, don't, don't dress for the job that you have, just for the job that you want. So even when I was a bagger and they handed me the little polo shirt, I always went to work with shirt and tie. Really? Yep. I was put on the stock crew at 16. 15, you get the job doing what? Bagger. Bagger. Then 16, you're on stock crew. Stock crew. Is that a, is that a promotion? Promotion. Okay. Yep. And then? Uh, 16, I'm running the front end sometimes. They would let me run the front end of the store, which simply means you're overlooking the front end of the registers, making right. sure everything is, is right. And, you know, so. Fix this. All right, so 16, you're running the whole front end, mm-hmm. and then? Then 17, I graduated from high school, um, went off to college. Um, but the good thing about Publix is they allowed you, at that time, they allowed you to extend your, you know what I mean? It was not gotcha. like you were, um, f- I didn't have to, like, come back and reapply. It was like a deferred status. Gotcha, gotcha. Right? So on summers and breaks, I would still come back and go back to work. Gotcha. Right. Did you, you must love Publix. Uh, it was a good environment, man. It was um, I, I was blessed to have good store managers, mm-hmm. right? Um, and for those that don't know, Publix is a grocery store. They're not everywhere, right? Southeast. So I think we're in Tennessee, North, well, South Carolina now. 
um, getting ready to go into Charlotte if they're not already there. Um, and then, of course, Florida is their home base in Georgia gotcha, gotcha. and Alabama. Okay. Mm -hmm. so, so Southeast, yeah. So during college, you're, um, you're kind of coming back home all four years. Well, during college, my freshman year, I was in Chicago, so it right. wasn't there. Okay. My sophomore year, I came back and went to Florida A&M gotcha. and picked right back up. So I, uh, I went to, I used to stock early in the morning. So I would stock, like, get up at 2 in the morning, go stock shelves from, like, 3 to three to 6, 3 to 7, and then go to class. At a, as a college student? Uh, that's how I paid my way through school. So, so, so. How would you party? I mean. Oh, I did that, too. Yeah, so I'd be I'd be wired. Uh, <laughs> Publix Publix had a um, college reimbursement program, mm -hmm. so they would pay for your tuition as long as your GPA was a certain level. Really? And you were doing something in a major that they could probably use in the future. Yeah. So. Oh wow! So so they pay for your college pretty much. For some of my courses, yeah, just coursework. Got you. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. Cool. So and you did that all throughout college. Yeah, I did their college reimbursement program for the first three, for the last three years of college. You graduated in four years? No. No? How long did it take? Five. Five. Okay, yeah. gotcha, 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 gotcha. All right, so. I, I, I stayed a little too long. Oh, yeah, no doubt. No doubt. It was them parties. Well, yeah. it, was also, it was also in the transfer because when I transferred from Chicago, back, you know, from school in Chicago and came back to Tallahassee, I sat out a semester. Gotcha, gotcha. Mm -hmm. All right, so what'd you, what'd you go to college for? Business economics and political science. That's, Business that's economics and political science. So Publix pay for some of the classes. After you graduate, mm -hmm. then what do we do? Well, it's funny. Um, also, during the summers, I worked at the Southwestern Book Company, mm -hmm. which was selling books door to door. So one of my selling friends books door to door. So one of my friends from high school, Dwayne Rayner, he was at Florida State. I was at Florida in him. He comes to me one day and says, "Hey, I got this great internship." Mm -hmm. Right, I would love you to be a part of my team. I said, "Okay, what is it?" He says, "We're going to be, you know, selling encyclopedias." I said, "Great, sounds like a good job." Selling encyclopedias, uh, door to door. And let me tell you how crazy the Southwestern book system is. They take college kids from all over the country. Right, um, you go up to to Nashville to their to their headquarters. You get three days of sales training. Mm -hmm. So they teach you the product, and they hand you this this kit, which had volume one, volume two of an entire encyclopedia set. It had volume one of a three-volume Black History yeah, book. Real quick, it's been so long. What does the encyclopedia do again? Uh, yeah, they don't even have those things anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have, do you have an encyclopedia at the current? No? Yeah, everything. you can Google everything now. So encyclopedias used to be the book. It used to be the Google book. <laughs> That's what I call it. It used to be the book where you find all the information about everything that you needed. So you see you young. <laughs> this, I, I forgot I'm dealing with a younger generation, right? So back then, we, didn't, couldn't, we couldn't go online and look up what we needed. We actually had to go pull a book off the shelf and find it in a book and do the research paper out of the encyclopedia. Indians, okay, all right. So you can't get... So they just gathered as much information about everything they could, and they put it in an encyclopedia. In a set. 26 volumes. So what's the difference between volume one and volume two? How is it sub... How is it... How is it Alphabetically. Off? Depends on what you're looking for. So if you're saying... You know, right now you'll Google, um, what is the best way to... All right, so I was looking this up yesterday. Um, how much should you feed a child? That's not in a... That's not the encyclopedia. It's more specific. What's in the encyclopedia? It's, it, it's, yeah, it's more specific. Give right? me an example. So you might want to look up um, Brazil. So you'd go to BE and they'd have a whole thing on Brazil. Or you. So it's like a dictionary for random stuff. Right. That's that's, that's how we were educated back in the day. We you didn't know have. What's the... wild? I I always knew, and it, 
the, the word encyclopedia, I knew it, you have it on your bookcase, but I never actually knew what was in an encyclopedia. Just think about Wikipedia on a, in a book. Uh, so people in there, people, places, probably people, places, things. Mm-hmm. Did y'all know what it, you knew it was, a, you don't, you have an encyclopedia? That's crazy. I had, that's what I'm saying, I had them. He just never what opened them. What are you going to open it for? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, born entrepreneur. Oh my God. Not going to do it. Okay, not so you're selling these, these encyclopedias. What was the sales pitch behind so, this? Well, here's the funny part. They take you to this class. You, you learn how to, you know, they tell you about the product. You get a, the one volume one and two of the encyclopedia, one first copy of the Black History book, first copy of the children's book, and you get in a little book bag, and they teach you how to market, how to sell, and, I, and I'll go through some of that strategy. But at the end of the three-day training, you don't know where you're going to be selling. You still don't know where you're going to be selling. So, like, when my mom called and asked me, Alistair, where are you and Dwayne going? I was like, Mom, I don't know. Where are you going to be staying? I don't know. So you go to the training in Tennessee. Right. Uh, on the last day, they bring you into the room. They bring everybody into the room. And they'll say, okay, you're Suffolk, Virginia, Bladensburg, Tennessee, Nashville. And then it's when they start telling you what city you're going to be selling in. Is it cities in Tennessee? No, it's cities all over the country. So my first, my first city was Suffolk, Virginia. Never been there before. So we all pile up in our cars. So from Tennessee, I'm talking about like you got to go to California. Wherever. New Jersey. You get in your car. You drive to your territory. College students. College students. And, <sighs> and they give you a sales pitch. Before you can even sell a book, you got to find somewhere to stay for the summer because you're going to be there for two or three months. So mm. the pitch is you go knock on the door. Hey, my name is Alistair Edwards. Ma'am, sorry to interrupt you, but I'm a Alistair Edwards college student from Florida A&M University. I'm going to be selling encyclopedias and uh, history books for the kids in the neighborhood. Uh, I just wanted to know if you knew of anyone that would be willing to give a college student a cheap room for a small monthly fee as we work for the summer. So the first day of door-to-door is not even selling encyclopedias. No, it's finding somewhere to live. That sounds illegal for students. They've been yeah. doing it for years. They still do it today. I no, had somebody, they don't. The only thing they do now is they do it through, they, it's, it's digital. They sell digital. Oh, so it's like, like, it's like a sales call. Yeah, but they are still, there's still kids knocking today every summer with Southwest. That are Virginia. knocking on doors. Knocking on doors. My first summer, I probably knocked on over 3,000 doors. What? Oh, yeah. Of yeah. course you're a beast in sales now. Okay, so first day, you're trying to find somewhere to stay. And it's all in the training. They say, yeah, hey, find somewhere to stay. No. 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 I got a room in the basement. I charge you $30. So my first summer, I stayed with a, with a wonderful young lady who actually was a foster parent who had probably eight kids in the house. Well, I guess it ain't that bad. Airbnb, it's like Airbnb, except for you just got to... There's no website for it. Right, there's no website for it, right? <laughs> you find out if they're willing to... So, okay. so I got a room down in the basement and, and paid 30 bucks. But you're out of the house by... Well, first of all, in your training, you start off with a cold shower every morning and you got to be out of the house by 7. They tell you to start off with a cold shower? Yeah, opens up your pores, keeps you awake longer throughout the day. Right? Mm. And then and then, and then then you have to um, knock on your first door at, 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 at 8 o'clock. Gotcha. Now, here's the funny part. They also teach you that just understand that the first six hours of your day probably won't be the best part of your day. That's when you survey the land. So you spend all day knocking on doors, knowing that half the people are where? At work. At work. What you're looking for is the one person that is not at work, the Miss Jones of the neighborhood, the elderly of the neighborhood, right? You tell her what you're doing. Hey, 
How you doing, man? My name is Alistair. I'm a college student from Florida A&M, and I'm, this summer I'm sharing with families in the neighborhood and helping them get an educational product for their kids. Do you know of any family that might be interested in encyclopedias? She may say, well, I don't have any kids. And I said, well, would you be kind enough to kind of just give me the lay of the land? And I would sit on our porch and I'd draw my book out. So I would, before I even knocked on doors, once I got to a street, if I got to M Street, I'd draw a picture of every house. There's little blocks. Houses on the left, houses on the right. And I'd knock until I find Miss Jones. And then Miss Jones, I'd be like, okay, well, Miss Jones, who lives over there? Oh, that's the Edwardses. They have three kids. Who's over there? Oh, he doesn't have any kids. I know I may not have to stop at that house. Oh, over there, oh, that's the Shans. They just got a new baby. Okay, children's book. Uh, oh, yeah, it's a great black family over there. African-American history. Oh, they have three kids and two getting ready to go to college. Encyclopedias. Dang! Yo, so you think door-to-door sales, you think like, all right, I'm not going to try to make a sale. But you said like the first day, you got to find lodging. Second day, like the first six hours... You it's, just try to find out the lay of the land. And you'll sit there and with Ms. Jones. It's almost like finding out where's my avatar as That's you trade. That's crazy. Right? So you where's, can go to the one with kids and say, yo, right. kids book. I'm leading with that. Yeah. So it's, 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 it's almost eliminating. So if, if it's a, with all due respect, if it's a white family, I, okay, I don't have to talk about black history books because they're not going to buy it. Mm-hmm. Right? If they have college kids, I don't have to talk about children's book. I'm funneling down to what is my, what is the... What does my customer need? That's like that's genius too to find the Miss Jones of the neighborhood. Just right? find out what's going on. Find a person that can give you the information you need to make the sale. Mm. So now six o'clock, you start seeing cars pull in. Oh, the Shans, oh, that, that must be Mr. Shans. As soon as you get out your car, I'm walking up on you. Hey, sir, look, don't mean to interrupt you. My name is Alistair. I'm a college student from Florida and I'm trying to earn some additional money for the summer. And what I'm doing is uh, sharing children's books with families that have new kids. How did I know you have new kids? Ms. Jones just told me. Yeah. We have some of the best children's books that will guide your child and make them be six months to six years ahead of the competition when they go oh, through life. That's the cheek. Do you have a minute? Let me mm. show you what you have. And here's the crazy part. I would share with you what I have. The encyclopedia set was probably like about $900. Uh, the Black History Book, if you add that on, there's a three-volume set and all the $200 plus. And the children's book's probably about, I'd say about $180. So we used to call it the brick, mm-hmm. if you could sell the whole packet, mm-hmm. right? Um, if the customer agreed that they liked it, they would have to write me a check for 50% of it and watch me walk out the house with that check, not knowing if I'm coming back or not. And my guarantee is, Mr. Mr. Shans, I'm going to be back at the end of the summer. Once the books are delivered, and I'm going to deliver them to you. Yo, you know what? Now, here's the funny part. Your living expenses have to come out of the money that you collect. Really? So you have to open the check. check. So they're cashing a check to you. They're writing a check to you. How many of you went to jail? I know somebody went to jail. I, I, I didn't know them numbers. I, I'm sure some people went to jail. <laughs> like, yo, because you're just taking the money and some people just aren't that fiscally responsible. Mm-hmm. Dang, that's crazy. So you have to live, you got to learn, you got to learn money management skills. Everything, like, everything. How and much then, of that money did you get? Like, how much was your So the percentage was probably about, ooh, I would say 45%. It was good money. My oh, first summer, I made probably seven, 8,000. Yo, so that's for a college a, student in two months, three months. 100%. That was big money. If you saw a nine hundred dollar brick, you make about four hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. That's lit. Well, so no, so it had to be. Yeah. Dang, that's crazy. 
Yeah. Okay. All right. So um, you understand lay the land. Real quick, go back to the lady that let you in their house. Like, cause this is this is a real well, trusting thing. You know, that's when I, I, that's probably what guy gave me. So two of my kids are adopted, but it's probably from that foundation. I, I stayed with um, uh, a lady who was a foster mom. So she had six kids, six or seven kids in the house. And I tell you what was 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 is also where I learned about one of my greatest lessons was um, how important words are. So when the first day I came to house, to, the next day when I came to put bringing my stuff into her house, the first thing she said to me, she says, "There's a little girl that we have here, named Angelique." He says, "She says when you see her, you're going to be a little shocked." But the only way you can stay in this house is if you tell her she's beautiful every day. Okay. So she brought the kids down. Angelique comes out. So this young lady had come, this little girl, she had to be, I would say, five, six. But she came from a drug situation where her parents were drug addicts. Her mom had boiled, uh, had bathed her in boiling water. So the young lady had burns, full body burns from head to toe almost. It's like her mom put her in boiling water. Mm. Now, here's the funny part. Well, not funny part. It was like she never knew. Her attitude was like, she was the most bubbly. She thought she was a princess. And here's why. Everybody in the house had to tell her she was. Mm. Her, 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 her attitude. I, I mean, I need, I would love to know where she is today because... Her posture and everything was just so positive because the foster mom required that everybody in the house told her that every day. Wow. So one of my greatest joys at, I was what, 18, 19, was coming home and I would sit down and I would read out of, the, out of my sample children's book there. Wow. I, I remember that plain as day. But it gave me a whole different looking at meaning of life. Because wow. I realized how important words were. She walked around the house like she ran it. So everybody in the house just t t treated her like a regular kid. And what I noticed, my first two, three, three, four days, I would see the disfiguration, you know what I mean? And be like, oh. after the fourth or fifth day of being in the environment where everybody treated her normal, everybody treated her with respect, everybody told her she was beautiful. She was beautiful. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. So you see the burns first few days, but you telling her she's beautiful. She's acting like she's beautiful. Everybody knows that she's beautiful. You don't even see the wow, disfiguration anymore. You see the beauty because yeah. her energy is there. Her smile is there because it was fed into her every day. Oh, my God. That's why your environment is so important. That's why your surroundings are so important. What you listen to every day, what you allow to be in your space every day is so important. You can't just let anybody tell you anything. So that's if you if so as I as I've gone through life, I've been the type of person where if if I see people are negative, they get a very little bit of my time. Mm. Very, very little bit of my time. Like so my team is so on my in my network marketing team right now, um, I would say 80% of my organization are women, right? And I had to learn to communicate better, right? But they know it's the it's the running joke with them right now. It's like, look, you only got sixty seconds. <laughs> Meaning, I'll give you sixty seconds to you know tell me the problem, complain, all of that. But after this, once we've gone through a minute, I only got two questions: What are we gonna do? How are we changing it? What's the what, how are we solving it? Mm -hmm. 
I, I just, I, I'm so, and I got to work on it. I'm so not ready for negativity. I can't do it. Mm. I can't do it. Dang. Javon, you're beautiful, man. <laughs> yeah, everybody's required to tell Javon he's beautiful. Okay. So, um, all right. So, dang, just uh, amazing. Amazing. All right. So, the first, the first time, you did this a few times, right? A few years. Uh, right? Two summers in a row. Two summers in a row? Mm-hmm. Okay, gotcha. I went back the second summer and brought a team. Mm-hmm. So, the first summer, I went as uh, Dwayne Rainers on his team. Mm-hmm. And then the second summer, I bought a team back from Florida AM. So, I was, so I, I bought a team, first team from Florida AM. Gotcha. Yeah. And we rocked it. We stayed in the top 10. And was it only... For, okay, how much did you make the first year? 9,000? Uh, I don't even remember. Probably about 9,000. Do you know what you made the second year? A little over 14. A little over 14,000 for mm-hmm. summer. Mm-hmm. You're rich. You are rich in two months, for sure, as, as a college student. So, why? first off, did you ever inquire about other opportunities after that? Like, with the company? Mm-mm. I, I, I think I'd have went another extra mile. I don't want the third one. Why didn't you go to third summer? Because uh, I was getting ready to graduate. That's good. Money. So here's the funny part, though. My grades weren't the best. Like, um, I, I, I was probably a two point. I don't even remember what my GPA was. Two point eight, two point nine. But every time I interviewed, I got five job offers, and it was based on the fact that one, I had been with Publix for four or five years already, mm-hmm. and still working with them through college. Yeah. And two, that I did two summers selling books door to door. So I got a pharmaceutical job with uh, Pfizer. I got an a offer from BP. I got an offer from Dudley Products. I got all my letters still to this day. Really? Like, all my offer letters, right? Uh, so one was selling hair products. One was selling petroleum. And one was doing pharmaceutical sales, right? And the lowest one was offering me 40 grand plus commissions. And I remember getting ready to take the job and a district manager from Publix called me and he said, Alistair, look, uh, we know you're graduating. We understand you're uh, getting ready to graduate. We're getting ready to open up stores in Atlanta. Uh, would you be willing to come and be a part of the stock crew? I said, the stock crew? Yeah, you know, we're going to pay you about 9 or $10 an hour. I got yeah, you got a degree, man. I got job offers, fam. Right. <laughs> and I remember talking to my dad, and I called my dad. I said, Dad, can you imagine the audacity? I've been with this company this long, da 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 da. And here's what he said to me in, my, in his old wild word. He says, Son, he says, I don't know nothing about pharmaceutical sales, I don't know nothing about gas. He says, But you've been public so while, you know the business inside and out. And he says, Not only that, people will always have to eat. Right. That's what he told me. I took the job with Publix. Six months later, I was. Oh, how how much were these people offering you? How much were the offers? The first one was forty grand. I would have to go to Delaware, which I right. didn't want to go to Delaware. Yeah. There was another one that was sending me to Louisiana. I didn't want to go to Louisiana. So forty grand out of college ain't bad, yeah. especially compared to nine dollars an hour at Publix. Yeah. But I was looking long-term. He says, you know the business? He said, it's going to be in a new market. There's going to be opportunity there. He says, you go there and do what you do. But, I mean, thinking long-term is, I guess it's two ways. You can say, okay, I'm going to take this $9 an hour and, you know, I can see the future. Or I can start with 40000 and I can see the future there. Yeah, but 40000 for me at the time is something I had no experience in, something I didn't want to really relearn. Mm-hmm. And I was going with something I was comfortable. 
So I moved to Atlanta and I slept on the floor of my uh, of my frat brother's uh, uh, apartment for six months. Rodney Ray, for six months. Rodney Ray and we, we were together yesterday. We were like good friends, real good friends. But I slept on his apartment floor for six months while I stopped. He 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 got a job with Waffle House. He was at Fam too. He graduated from Fam too. He got a job as a manager at at, at, at Waffle House, mm-hmm. and I was part of the opening team for stores in the, in Atlanta. First, okay, so obviously it worked out. It worked out the way it was supposed to work out. But in the moment, that contradicts everything we talk about in terms of staying staying comfortable. Because you only took it because, yo, I'm comfortable with this. Even if it's less money, let's, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay No, it, was, it wasn't for comfort. It, for me, it was more for long term because I knew I didn't know a lot about pharmaceutical sales. And I didn't know it. I, I knew whatever job I was going to, I would have to relearn all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. To me, going to Publix was I already have an advantage. I know it like the back of my hand. Why waste mm. the knowledge I already had? I knew that business like the back of my hand. I knew once I got in the environment, I could outwork, outshine anybody there. Six months later, I was uh, uh, promoted to assistant store manager. I mean, to a, a second assistant manager. How much was that? Uh, about 60 grand. Hmm. Did they tell you you were going to be promoted? To Did they tell you, like, that was the path? Yeah. They told you there's opportunity here. We're opening stores. We opened 300 stores in the first, what, five years? There's opportunity there. Got you. All right, look, I know you're enjoying the episode, but I got to tell you, finally, you asked for it, and we created a Patreon, okay? We created an inner circle. We have amazing stories, amazing information, how-tos from the episodes. The only thing we're missing is a community. So... It's about that time. We put together a Patreon. We put together a community because we have to have conversation around the information. So even this podcast we're listening to right now, there needs to be conversation. I want to hear what you got. I want to hear what you got. Like, let's throw some stuff back and forth. And because we're like-minded, we're all going in the same direction. When we connect, connect in a community, we can connect on other stuff outside the community because we're building real relationships. Okay, so... Check out the Patreon. We got three tiers. I don't care what tier you join. Um, the support is um, the support is appreciated. Okay, thank you so much. Now back to the episode. Okay, okay, that makes sense because they're telling you, yeah, not because you know some jobs are like ah, oh, there's an opportunity and they're dangling a carrot in front of your face, but they were saying, yo, you do well, you'll get to this particular level. Yeah. Okay, I had a plan. Yeah, okay, I, I knew what I was doing, so I, sl- I slept six months on this floor. As soon as I got a a job, I was able to get an apartment. And then six months, you started making 60 grand. Wow. All right, cool, cool. So for, for one, I just commend your loyalty to Publix. 27 years. <laughs> 27 <laughs> years. Yeah. All right, so, man, speaking to somebody who has been with their company six, seven years, and they, they can see the future, they love the future, tell me about the journey of that. Because you were obviously indoctrinated into the public sauce. Like, you've been drinking the Kool-Aid for, for a long while. Time. You love this company. I drank the Kool-Aid for a long time. So, so kind of, like, just tell me about some of the experiences, I suppose, or... I mean, well... What it, you, there were a lot of how good... How did you shake out of that? Well, first of all, there were a lot of good lessons in the process. You know, for example, that's where I learned about stocks. So, Publix had a... Um, they have a stock option program for their employees. Mm-hmm. So, every employee, every quarter, they do inventory. Based on the inventory, every employee gets a portion of what they call the results. So there's a bonus. So mm-hmm. as a bagger, my, my bonus check could have been 60 bucks. Mm-hmm. As a stock clerk, it could have been three, four, five hundred. 
As an assistant store manager, it could be three thousand. As a store manager, it could sometimes be eighteen, nineteen thousand every quarter. Dang. Based on the success of the store. I'm starting to see now too, like the stock clerk. That's the people in the middle of the aisles that stock and stuff, right? Mm-hmm. So we need to we put more respect on their name than the bagger. Cause you, you, know, you know what I mean? You no, you got the bagger. You respect them all. <laughs> I mean, you show you show love to the bagger, like, oh yeah, I appreciate it. But a stock clerk, you're like, ah, you're in my way. You got all these boxes, fam. What we doing? But they're actually on their journey. They're to, on their journey. They're okay. on their journey. Um, you know what? Right. Next time I see them, especially at Walmart, I'm just going like, okay, I see you. You moved up the ranks, brother. So, so the the company was um, forty eight percent, I think. 48% employee owned. Mm-hmm. So the family, oh, wow. the Jenkins family, owns 52% of the company. The other 48% belongs to the, the Jenkins ins- family owns Publix? That's the last name of the family. They black? No. <laughs> Jenkins ain't a black name? Jenkins is only a black name. <laughs> have you ever, okay, have you ever met a white Jenkins? Yes. No, you haven't. You ain't never heard no you met a, a white Jenkins? Never. Uh, yeah, you would have, you'd have never thought. Dang. So Jenkins is a slave name. They all slave names. Dang, that's crazy. Okay, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. And 48% of the company is employee-owned. Mm. So every quarter, they would give you shares in stock. And then after a certain amount of service, you could buy stock. Mm-hmm. So when I was 15, 16... Larry Rose, I remember I was closing up the store at the end of the night, taking a, a bail out. And a bail is simply when you break down all the cardboard, put it in the machine, bail it, right? I was probably too young to be using the bailer, but I was using it anyway, <laughs> right? And we're just sitting talking, and I, I, I remember him saying to me, he says, look, he says, young man, you, you seem pretty sharp. He said, Alistair, you're pretty I'm sharp. I'm sorry, what year is this? Uh, this had to be, I graduated 86, so this had to be 84, 85. <sighs> And he, and he said to me, he says, look, you know we have a great stock program here. He says, here's what I want you to do for me. He said, I want you to make me one promise. And there's six of us. There's probably four or five or six of us on the stock crew that are all sitting down there. And he says, guys, this is what I want you to promise me. He says, I don't care what you do with your three bonuses. You get four a year. He says, just take one bonus each year and make sure you buy more stock. Hmm. So he said, I don't care what you do with the first three bonuses of the year or the last three bonuses. Just make sure one of your bonuses every year, you reinvest it back in and buy more stock. Okay. So I did it. There was a two-to-one split. There was a five-to-one split. What does that mean? So let's say you buy a share of stock for 20 bucks. The price of the stock is 20 bucks, Right. The company now says, look, I want to gain more capital. So we're moving into Atlanta. We want to gain more capital. What they will do is they will do what they call a stock split. So if I only had one share for 20 bucks, they'll split it. Now I have two shares at $10 a piece. Mm-hmm. But what it also does is makes other people say, oh, it's only $10 a share. I will buy more. Got it. They generate capital. Got it. Because now people are buying what? Shares of stock. Correct. At the lower rate. At the lower rate, where they probably wouldn't have bought it at 20 bucks. Right. But they'll buy it at 10. So because they're buying that stock, they now have capital to do the investments, build the more stores, gotcha. expand the market. But in return, to thank those people, as we now get established in a new area, now the stores start getting profitable, 
our stock price starts to go what? Up. Back up. That $10 share that I bought is now worth $20. So I only had one share for $20. And you have two shares for 10 Now I have two shares for 10 But now both of those But now it grows, now and now I got two shares at 20 I've doubled my money. Yeah. Right? So eventually they're going to do a 10 to 1 split. I got 10 shares that are now worth 20 two shares that are worth $20, but it's a 10 to 1 split. It may drop down to a dollar. But now I have how many shares? 100 shares. I got 20 shares. 20 shares, yeah. Right? Well, 40 because I had two. Yes. But eventually those 40 shares now get back up to what? That's what a stock. That's what stock is. You know, Apple did that recently, and yeah. I bought. I just didn't know. I didn't understand it. Wall Street Trapper shouts out of trap. He just was like, "Yo, just buy it." I'm like, "All right," and I didn't really understand yeah. it. Like so that's that. why. So that's why we sit on our edge when we hear there's a stock split because we don't know what's it gonna go down to and how soon is it gonna get back up to par. And if you're lucky, it'll go past what it was when it split. So there were cases where my twenty share stock became sixty dollars a share. Hmm. So how many splits did they do in your tenure of having this? In well, I was with them twenty seven years, and in twenty seven years, we probably did four or five different stock splits. And you invested a whole check, a whole bonus check, every single year for twenty seven years. One bonus check out of my four bonus checks, because that's what Mr. Rose told One me. One bonus check, and what was your highest bonus check? Uh, as a store manager, my bonus checks could be as much as I don't know twelve thousand. And you put the whole thing in there. Pretty much. Over 20-something years? Okay, I just, not not being personal. Yeah, I guess it's for How many stock shares? Do you still have them? Oh, uh, so I cashed out a majority of my shares I when I retired. Yeah. Golly. What you retired? I, I still left some in there, though. There's some in there. And then what I, what I did is I made sure all my, I, I bought stock shares for my kids. Yo, that's crazy. You got a million shares? Oh uh, no, I cashed out a lot. I should have. To be honest, I should have let it sit there. That's that, that's one of my biggest regrets. I should have let it sit there because now they're moving into different territories, and the splits that they've had since I retired were ridiculous. I shoot, I don't even know if we'd be here today if I was if I had kept those shares. <laughs> I, I would already have that property in Jamaica. <laughs> but for twenty seven years investing, that is long game. Yeah. Goodness gracious. I bet you know those other five people that were sitting on that bell probably didn't do it though. I'm, I'm the type that probably. All right, let's do some quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you can keep. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headache, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, access from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. It just makes sense. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit from NetSuite? I know you see it. Listen to me. If you have everything scattered in business, you cannot grow. And 
Everything is more expensive when you have more and more processes layered on top of each other, more and more softwares. You got to get out of that. and it, it will improve efficiency and cut costs. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to NetSuite.com slash social proof. That's NetSuite.com slash social proof. NetSuite.com slash Social proof. Probably wouldn't have done it. And not only that, to be honest, I probably wasn't consistent in it. There were probably years I didn't, but mm-hmm. for the most part, I always reinvested something back in stock. Dang, that's dope. Yeah. Because here's the, here's, the, here's, the, here's the tricky part about life. Life will tell you that what you're dealing with right now is more important. Mm-hmm. So you'll take the money that you should have invested or you should have bought the stock with and you'll say, let me pay this bill. Or, or worse yet, you'll say, let me get these shoes. Or worse yet, you'll say, let me go to the club and do these bottles this weekend. Let me celebrate this bonus. Man, that bottle cost. I can think about how many bottles cost me a lot of money. Or how many junk I bought that really cost me a lot of money. That should have been invested other places. Wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. All right. So how did you finally quit? So it goes. It, and did you cry? I can imagine you cried. Oh, no. no? So here, here's why. And, and it, it just goes back. And it was it was almost, I, I say, deja vu. So my dad in Jamaica was we were would be considered middle class, right? Uh, well to do, and then we moved because my sister was uh, graduated at uh, I think she graduated like at fifteen or sixteen from high school and went to Smith College. She was the youngest one to graduate from George Washington Medical School. Uh, became a pediatrician. But in her education, the expenses and the conversion of income, Jamaican dollars to American dollars, was kind of tough. So my parents' thought process was, we'll go to America, so it'll be easier to generate that type of income. Hold on. I don't know why my phone... I'm sorry. It's all good. This is a bad example, okay? Uh, (laughs) Y'all... And y'all don't do it, okay? I'm sorry. Okay. Right? So we moved to Jamaica. My my first experience in Jamaica is we did a house exchange. Mm Mm-hmm. So uh, my parents are Baha'is, it's a type of religion, Baha'is, and they knew a Jewish family. What is Baha'is? Uh, it's a religion. What's the belief? Um, so they believe that Baha'u'llah is, uh, came after Christ, like a, a more recent uh, a prophet, mm, right? But so... all along the same same philosophy. Oh, uh, Baha'i. Say what? Say Baha'i. What? Baha'i. Mm-hmm. No, Baha'u'llah, you said. Baha'u'llah. Baha'u'llah. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay, cool. I, Out of your, yeah. yeah. That's a whole nother chapter. <laughs> right, right, right. But anyway, they did a house exchange with a Jewish family. Why? The Jewish family was, uh, the Stearns were getting ready to retire, right? Mm-hmm. So they wanted to live in Jamaica. Mm-hmm. We needed to make income to pay for tuition for my sister. So my family says, well, we'll come to America. We'll switch houses. How do you find that? Because of the community, you know what I mean? The community, they were, they were in the community together as far as, you know, always traveling, doing, doing um, charity. Not charity, what do you call it? Philanthropy work, right? So we did a house exchange. So the Stearns, rich Jewish elderly couple, live on Hollywood Boulevard in Hollywood, Florida. Mm. There are no black people on Hollywood Boulevard mm. in Hollywood, Florida, right, in 1984. Right. So we're the only black family in there. So this is my first experience, my third week in America. I come home from school. 
I go into the house and I hadn't been in there five minutes and I hear this megaphone, come out with your hands up, come out with your hands up. I look out the window, there's two cop cars. I run to the back of the house and there's a cop car in the back. Mm. I come to the front of the door and before I could say anything, I'm pulled out of the house, put to the ground, guns drawn. And they're like, okay, we got him. It's like, got what? I was like, I live here. And I remember them distinctly last. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> right? right? So I had to explain everything, you know, because I was so well, young. I'll swap under the like, bro, this is the weirdest yeah. lie ever. Uh, 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 so what I think what saved me is they came in and they saw my stuff. Right. right? right. And, and I remember my mom coming into the station and just acting the fool. She was like, right? True Jamaican form. True Jamaican form. But anyway, so that was my first experience with interaction. But um, it, it just, just shows that there's sacrifices that have to be made, right, for success. Yeah. And so my parents made that sacrifice. But now, going back to your question, so my dad got a job with the 7-Eleven Corporation. My dad managed Blue Mountain. He's been in management, been very successful while he was in Jamaica. But when he became with the, with, with, uh, the 7-Eleven Corporation, he did very well in the stores that he was at. He actually elevated them, made their business, made them profitable. But he was never given the opportunity to be a manager. So he would get the stores profitable. The manager would benefit from all the work he would put in. And he would always ask, you know, what's my chances of becoming a manager? And they would always say to him, you have to have a college degree. Mm. And I slowly watched my dad's posture just break down. Mm. Like over time, it broke him down. Because he was constantly making, and every time there was a problem store, they would send him to the problem store. He would turn it around, and the manager would get the accolades, yeah. and he wouldn't. So my dad was very adamant about me getting a college degree. He said, I don't care what you're going to do, you're going to get a college degree, right? So I did that. Fast forward, got the job, went from bagger, meeting, went into management, became a store manager. And in my opinion, became a very good store manager. Always had met, met most of my goals, profitable stores, always had good customer compliments. And I, too, now wanted to become what they call a district manager. And um, I remember the first store, we had a store on Memorial Drive. I was at a store on Memorial Drive, which was, of course, the, that, that population was more, more, more in Atlanta. Yeah. Is there a Publix on Memorial Drive? It's closed now. Okay. Right? But um, you wasn't there. That was the problem. It was very profitable when I was there. Let me put it that way. <laughs> right? Um, and I remember they were opening up a store on, on Indicator. We had bought an A&P. That's when they were buying A&Ps and converting them. And I remember wanting to go to that store as the store manager and having a conversation with my district manager. And, and what, what shook me is when he says, but we need you here. We don't have anyone that could replace you here. What he was saying is, in my opinion, we don't have any other black store managers that need to be in this environment, in this store location, gotcha. right? And I, I so I, I, I let that rest, but then I drove to the corporate office and went above his head to have a conversation with, with, with the, the, the district supervisor, or what you call the regional director. And we had this conversation. And I was asking him, I said, look, I need to know what I'm doing wrong because I'm obviously running good stores, da da da, da. And what I was told is we don't have anybody. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm I'm confused at how a company this large doesn't have enough black people to run stores, if that's basically what you're all are saying. Mm. 
Next day, I got the store indicator. Mm. Okay. So I was a big advocate. Those that have worked, those that have known me in the public industry, know I was I was very, I was probably, per, and I may be wrong, I still think to this day, I probably promoted more black people into management positions than any other person oh, in wow. the industry public. That's just my personal opinion. Because I was the person that would be at the corporate office. And, and it, it, the way I would position it is, I just need to know what I'm doing wrong mm-hmm. as to why Dave didn't get promoted. Because mm. you gave it to, to Joe, but I think Dave is just as talented. So I just want to know next time during a position comes up, I need to make sure that Dave's on the list. So I just need to, what I need to know. What do I need to do different to make sure that Dave's prepared? I already mm-hmm. knew Dave was prepared. I'm just trying to figure out why Dave got looked over. Let me ask you this, though. Were you intentionally wanting to promote black people? Oh, yes. Because mm-hmm. they weren't enough in the industry. They weren't enough in the company. And I knew what management meant. But I also wanted to get promoted to a higher level so I could be in a better position. It was the next position that actually made the decision on who got promoted. So one of my goals was to get to the district manager position so I could promote the qualified people that I thought should have been promoted. You know what I mean? So, But in that situation, I kept getting passed over. And they kept telling me the next door, the next door. And it it was almost like hearing my dad's situation all over again. And that's when I knew it's time. It's time. I just can't I just can't put my future in somebody's hand. Like I just can't have my future be determined by who I play golf with or, you know, who I go to church with cuz some of those decisions were made like that. Mm, you know what? I think even, you know, people that are watching this, it's important to know that you don't have to be necessarily an activist. You don't have to be an entrepreneur. You can literally be in a in a corporate structure and get to a particular position where you can help your people come. So oh. it's funny you said that. I did a post yesterday about um, walking in Publix and seeing a jackfruit and buying the jackfruit. You know, this is what I grew up with. All that. Hold on, post. Hold on to the story. But someone commented, a young lady commented saying, I don't mess with Publix because they are against the voter the voter laws because they're, 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 they're on the Republican side of the voter laws. So I don't shop at Publix. Right? And I said to them, I said, look, first of all, you need to understand there are Republicans and Democrats in every company. And if you want to create change, you got to be part of the change. Mm-hmm. If, if, if I was to be so strong on that point of view, that'd be like saying, well, I don't want any Republicans buying my, my product. I'd be broke. Yeah. There are several people that have an opinion that I don't agree with politically that put me on in business. I have friends that have supported my business way better than some of my friends, right? (laughs) right? That have different political views of me, but business-wise, we respect each other to where they have been very instrumental. You know what I mean? So sometimes I think we get so clouded in pick a side that we don't realize that people are allowed to have their opinions. I'm not going to agree on everything that you agree on. Just like people don't agree on religion. Some people are Christian, some are Muslim, some are Jehovah Witness, some are, are, are Baha'i, some are, you know what I mean? The Buddhists. I mean, there's so many. If I was to say I'm only doing business with Christians, where would I be? Mm. Wow. Where would I be? The, the world has to be full of people that have different opinions, different views. Sure. That's what allows you to think. That's where your creative creativity comes from is hearing from somebody. You only elevate once you speak to someone who is at a higher elevation. Facts. Facts. Les Brown said it to me once. He said, Alistair, you, you have no value to me if you, got, if, if, if you don't have a book, if you haven't read a book that I haven't read. Hmm. That's a bar. 
Yeah, you don't have no value to me if you haven't read a book I haven't read. That means you have nothing to contribute to me. If I already know everything you know, why am I hanging with you? That's a fact. That's a fact. Yo, man, that yo, that is super powerful. I never even really looked at it like that. It's people on the inside of these companies that are making goal change. Is to get to another level to bring people up because otherwise it wouldn't happen. It wouldn't happen because the decision makers are going to do it for their. If, if you don't question the decision maker, right? What is his or her incentive to change? And the only way you get to question the decision maker is to be of value to the decision maker. The only reason they listen to my comments or my complaints is because I brought value. We need him at these stores. He's obviously been successful. If he's thinking he can teach other people to be just as successful and create more of him, we might want to listen to him. Mm. And there were some district managers that listened to me. That's hard. If you are a manager at a job, I just want you to comment right now that you are going to get to the next level of your job. It's not just about, about entrepreneurship, right? Just to pull somebody up. That's deep, bro. Yeah, That's it's, deep. It, you got to understand that the only value you bring is bringing value to somebody else. If it's all about you and just what you can do, yeah. Wow. So how, how did you transition out? Because you're like on a mission right now. So... When I realized that that process was going to be delayed longer, it, and it, I don't even think it was something I intentionally was planning to do. I was probably going to stick it out until yeah, it happened. For sure. Right? But um, I did a, a, a career day where we would go and speak to kids in a school. And there was a, another man there uh, who worked for Frito-Lay. He was a retired Black Hawk pilot, Ron Green, mm -hmm. who, uh -huh. who um, was speaking at that event also. He came to my store the next day and said, man, look, the kids were captivated by you. Everybody loved what you were doing. He says, I need you on my team. I said, what team? I said, I'm not going to Frito-Lay. Right. He's like, uh, no, no, no. He says, my network marketing team with prepaid legal. I was like, bro, network marketing? Not happening. Because I had tried some other network marketing companies before, right? And shoot, in, in, in one of them, I lost a lot of friends because we traveled all over the world and made no money, right? So... Network marketing was something I swear I would never do again. What year is this? So this had to be 2003. Yep. And um, he kept coming to my store every single week. And I remember one Friday looking at the cameras. I saw him come in and I said to my, my called my front office cashier. I said, look, whatever you do, see that man coming in right now? He asked for you, tell him I'm not here. Mm -hmm. But he saw my car, friend. <laughs> so he stood by the magazine rack, which was right by my office door, and I'm ready to go home. So I had to come out. I said, Ron, what part of no don't you understand? And he said one thing that totally changed my life. He said, Mr. Edwards, let me ask you something. He says, is it fair to say that most of your good decisions are usually made when you have 100% of the facts? I said, true. He says, all I want you to do, come to this meeting on Monday, get 100% of the facts. And he said, no matter what you decide, I'll never bother you again. He says, but if you don't come, I'll be here again next week. <laughs> so the only reason I went to this meeting was to get this guy to stop bugging me. Right. But what I saw made sense. So I signed up for the service. Needed to get a will done. You're telling me I can get it for 24 bucks and, and I can cancel when I want? That's what my, that was my thought yeah. process. And I can cancel what I get. But then they started going through the compensation plan. I was like, you're telling me every time I refer someone, I can make anywhere from 60 to $300? Everybody needs a will. Everybody mm -hmm. needs access to an attorney. So what sold the Kool-Aid is I came back next week with three guests. End of the week, I had a check for $225. Mm. It wasn't the $225. It wasn't the dollar amount. It was the fact that I invited three people to listen to somebody else and I got paid. <laughs> Makes sense. Makes sense. So every Monday, where was I? I was packing the house. 
Mm-hmm. My first year, I did about 30 grand. Second year, I did a little over 50. Third year, I did over 80. My fourth year, I was doing 114. I did 114 on a part-time basis. So I was still working full-time at Publix, still working 50, 60 hours for them, and part-time made six figures with Legal Shield. But by 2009, I started getting these deposits when I personally hadn't said anything. The team hadn't said anything. I was like, what's going on here? And that's when I realized this thing called residual income, meaning the memberships that we had sold for the first four or five years, the customers are still paying for them. And so since they're still paying, we owe you your percentage. My residual income was about six, seven thousand a month that, back then. That was in two thousand and nine. Mm. So two thousand, July fourth, I put in my notice for two weeks. My two week notice for July fourth, Independence wow. Day. It was purpose. Independence Day. One of their busiest days in the company. I was like, I'm gonna set the store up in the morning. I'm gonna make sure it's simple. But twelve noon, I'm out of this mud. Wow. July fourth, two thousand and nine. I remember it clear as day. Mm-hmm. Wow. So you like it's. You're making six figures on both sides, your job and this business. And you're like, all right, well, and plus you got this stock. The stock is is growing. You, you've just done some phenomenal things in terms of preparation for this moment of leaving, which it's hard. It se- still seems hard, though. Like I see, even though even though I had I I was making six figures by so 2003, 2004, so 2006 is when I got the six figure ring, if I'm not mistaken. So 2006, I was, I was matching my income at Publix. But I still hung on to 2007, 2000, three more years just to make sure. Oh. So I still worked a full-time job three years in, and every year my income with Legal Shield was still going up. That's when I was like, okay, it's time. Wow. But I knew it was time because now, because I knew I was constantly getting passed over, mm-hmm. every time my district manager come, it was like a— it was, as we would talk and we would walk the store, it was almost like a Charlie Brown. Wow, wow, wow. My mind was already out of there. And that's when I knew it was time for me to retire because what I didn't want to do was mess up my reputation. Mm-hmm. I had a good reputation, right? Mm-hmm. So what you don't want to do is stay past your time to where you leave on bad terms. I think I left on good terms, yeah. right? They, they would have said yes until they saw this interview. And now they'd be like, oh, we don't <laughs> want that joker back. But <laughs> up until this point in time, you could have asked any one of them, and they, I'm sure they would have said Alistair left in good terms. I was always true to the company and their philosophy, and I always made sure I did everything at the job with integrity. Mm. So I left on good terms, in my opinion. Integrity. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. And then going Even on- in sales, even in whatever it is, do you remember your goal is always to be able to come back. So what I have. Mean? What do you mean? Meaning, I have no intentions of going back to Publix, right. but God forbid something was to happen. Legal Shield was to say, Kaput, and I needed to get a job. I have no problem. I would go back to Publix. It was a great company to work for. If a job is what you want, it's a great company to work for. It's a great place to start, regardless of their political opinions, because every company has a political opinion. Right. Or Whether has some. Whether they some, say it or not. Yeah, everybody company has a political policy. Right? The question is, what can it do for you? What's the leverage for you? Sometimes we get so caught up with people's opinion that we forget about what our objective is. What's your long-term goal? We get so upset with their opinion. How many great relationships have you ended because of an opinion? How many, how many business deals you didn't do because of an opinion? And you look back now, you're like, it wasn't that serious. Right. <laughs> when you look at the outcome. Mm-hmm. Right? Wow. Yeah. So I, I, one thing I pull from um, the, like, just kind of like your life story is, Leadership, because I know me being in Legal Shield and just watching you over the years, you've led tens of thousands of people, right? Um, you've also been able to go into a store, 
especially in the hood, because if it's a store in a hood, the employees are coming from the hood. They live in the community. Correct. So you're taking these people and kind of grooming them to go to that next level. So I, I definitely want to get into some principles of leadership on how you did that. You did it in Publix and then in Legal Shield. You've helped multiple people become full-time entrepreneurs and, you know, kind of change their life financially. What are some principles of leadership that you... Because this is something I'm struggling with. I'm not the greatest leader. Uh, I think it starts first with humility, right? Um, understanding that you were there once. Mm-hmm. When you're dealing with somebody, you have to understand that you two were... Well, I guess because I too was struggling, right? So after the first year, I'll give you a perfect example. After the first year of the house exchange, because the house exchange with my parents was only for a year. Mm-hmm. My mom, my dad, and myself stayed in, a one, in one bedroom for a, at least three months before we could get the money up for our down peasant to buy a house with my Aunt Herman. So uh, my Aunt Herman and my uh, and Uncle Brown, Jamaican. Um, Your Aunt Herman? Yeah. Her name's Herman, Herman Brown, right? And her, her husband is... <laughs> her name is Herman? Her name is Herman, Aunt Herman. I call her Aunt Herman. Jamaican thing? Jamaican thing, yes. Okay, all right. <laughs> all right? But here's the, here's the funny part. We stayed, she allowed us to stay in her house, you know, in, in, in one room. So it's me, my mom. Imagine being 16. So I was what? No, I was 15 at the time. Imagine you, your mom, and your dad at 15 in a one-bedroom. Mm-hmm. They made that sacrifice, and she allowed us to stay in her house at no cost until we got enough money to buy, uh, until they got enough money to buy their first house. Mm-hmm. So we, we've got a house in Jacksonville, Florida. So there were sacrifices that were made along the way that I remembered. So it wasn't always that there were there were good times and bad. You know what I'm saying? There there ebb and flows in life, and so it's those times that re- re- reminded me that when I now mentor people, every one of them may be going through an ebb and flow. Your goal is to make whatever they're going through easy to go through. Mm. My my goal was never to add additional burden, but those that worked for me would tell you I was very clear in what I wanted. You don't want to add additional burden, but you still got to be clear on your expectations. It's clear on my expectation. My goal is not to add any additional burden to you, but I'm going to add additional requirements of you. Yeah. So if you want to get rid of your burden, there's some requirements that you're going to have to meet to get yourself in a better position to no longer have that burden. Dang, that's a bar. And that, translate, that translate, translates to your entrepreneurial endeavor because they don't work for you necessarily. It's a voluntary army network marketing. Yeah. So you have to figure out what is their why. Why are you doing this business? I'm sure that when you were doing Legal Shield, you didn't really have a big why. Mm. Would I be correct in that statement? Huh? Just wanted to get rich. It was just about the money. Yeah. Right? And the minute you felt like I wasn't selling enough, I wasn't making the money, it was something else to do, which is totally okay. Now, had you... And I jumped to mad companies, too. Oh, like, I know. I'll leave because oh, I can make how much? It was about the money. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. The situation would have been different if you had joined the network marketing when your child was born. Because hmm. your why is different. When you, were, when you partnered with us, it was just about you. Mm-hmm. I'm sure in the last six months, you've intest- intensified your business. Yeah. Why? Got a baby now, man. I don't want her to do that. You are now responsible for another life. Mm-hmm. You have a bigger why. That's a fact. 
and I have a, I have a stepdaughter too. And I obviously, you know, really, so once that happened, it it bumped up more because I'm looking at Corey because I, I, want, I want, she's like a creative and I want her to have the freedom to figure it out. Yeah. Figure out what do I want to do? She wants to do horseback riding and art, but it changes every, every now and again, right? But I want to have that freedom. So it, 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 I want even harder to make sure we got some things set up for, you know, business where she ain't got to worry about it financially. But then when my wife got pregnant and, you know, we finally had our daughter Sarai, it went to a whole nother level because now I have more people to take care of. Yeah. And just like in network marketing, I don't care. You, you sell the why, even if you're in corporate America, you sell the why. If I go to Delhi Kirk and I see that she has potential to be a Delhi manager, I'm going to talk to her about the benefits of being a Delhi manager. Mm-hmm. You like being told to cut the meat or would you be in a better position teaching people how to cut it? That's good. What if we develop you to do, you get to enough point where you can teach what you already know? Because you hate being told what to do because you already know it. The problem is why you hate it is because you're being told to do what you already know what to do. Wouldn't it be better for you to be able to teach people what you know how to do and be at peace with it? Dang, you've been giving bars back from Publix days. And it it pays you more. There's more responsibility that comes with it, but you don't have to be told what to do. Mm -hmm. You now get to teach what to do. And I want you to remember what it feels like to be told. So that way, when you're teaching, you don't tell people. You teach them. Golly. Well, what are, some, what are some of the biggest mistakes that you made as a leader? Uh, sometimes being too um, friendly, meaning allowing people to, to slip on what they were supposed to do and, and making that. excuses for it. I struggle with that. You know what I mean? I'm a people person, right? Uh, um, and, and one of my, I, I, and and I think earlier on, sometimes you want to please everybody to, to your expense, to where, uh, and, and to to some points, and I want to say this to you as a young father: be careful that you don't please other people to a point to where you displease your wife and your child. Go deeper. Go deeper. So sometimes you're so busy pleasing everybody else that the people you really need to be pleasing. Get neglected. Mm. Ah, that's good. No is a complete sentence. Mm. Don't say yes to everything. You can't say yes to everything. So I was the one that would say yes to everything. And did it affect your relationship? You were married before? I was married for 27 years, divorced now. The same amount of time you worked at Publix? Is it okay? Give me the irony or the uh, the agony, I, the irony. Yeah. There's got to be a story behind it. Uh, be that's a, that's a whole nother podcast. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, yeah. But I was a workaholic. I, 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 I'll, I'll be honest. I, I probably did her a disservice. I was a workaholic. Mm-hmm. Wow. In everything I did. Mm-hmm. You gonna be married again? Do you want to get married again? Uh, that would be a negative. No, you don't want to get married at all. In today, you ask me this question today. Today, no. Why? No. And I don't know if this is selfish. I'm fully free to help a whole lot more people mm. without the restrictions of I gotta go home. So it's more about the commitment to the dream than having to do someone a disservice. That's mature. That's mature. To say, yo, I, I'm, I'm honest with myself. I'd much rather 
not have that restriction because there are some goals that I want to meet. But do you, but when does that become? Um... Now it may change. Yeah. All right. You're just saying right now. I'm just saying right now, I'm not. Some, so there may be some wonderful woman that comes along and be like, I'm not, oh, she's one, right? <laughs> but at the moment, um, I'm just enjoying the space I'm in right now. You know what? It's, it, it's, I found it harder and more distracting dating. Because even when you date somebody, you're not married to them, but they have certain expectations. And I felt even more, I felt more restricted before I was married. Because it's so, it's not, it wasn't like so many, but I date, you know, you're dating one person or two people, you kind of like two of them, and then you go out, and because you're not together with them, you might meet somebody and you got like, that wasn't my life, okay? I wasn't out here. It's just, yeah, it's just a lot of judgment going on. So I, I feel so much judgment right now. No, I'm just saying, it just seemed yeah. like it was, it was more push. I don't know. Anyway, well, thank you. Thank you, because I, I, we could stay. That could be another hour conversation, yeah. right? Yeah. But um, I, I gotta, uh, I gotta do a quick commercial. How we, how we doing on time? And we gotta, oh, we gotta sit here and do some more stuff for Patreon. So we got Patreon members that they get like bonus footage. Okay. So maybe we get into some sales training. Let's do. Because you are a master at sales. I never seen nobody sell that. He sold my shirts at my event. He was just there, and he was like, "Yo," he said, "Yo." Give me four minutes on stage, and I'm gonna sell all these shirts. And it was, it was good. It was a good thing. <laughs> um, so uh, let me let me get into uh, my commercial real quick. All right, I'll be right back. Uh, this episode is brought to you by the Morning Meetup, themorningmeetup.com, themorningmeetup.com, uh, the only entrepreneurial group that gathers every single day, Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, every single Monday through Friday. Um, to learn and grow as entrepreneurs. We have hundreds of people on the call. Actually, what's so dope is Alistair's uh, eclipsed an amazing amount of success, okay? Again, leading thousands of people. But you got a membership in the morning meetup. Yeah. Why'd you get a membership in the morning meetup? And, and plus, my, my main focus, you wouldn't necessarily be my target market. Someone that's like done well in business and like growing. My major focus is people who are, you know, trying to figure it out or people that want to be entrepreneurs or, you know, they're, they're at that level where they need that boost to get to, you know, kind of the six figures or whatever. What made you join? Uh, two things. One, um, consistency. It gives me something to be consistent on every morning at 8 o'clock. Mm. It allows me to develop a habit. Oh. But not only that, when I join, it brings value. You've had some great people, you know, and I think I'm at a mature enough level where I know, stop chasing the rabbits. So you've brought on, every day you have a different success story. So I've been able to hear from people I would really not have the opportunity to hear from on a personal basis, but also been able to gain those relationships. Like Jose. I never knew Jose, right, before the morning meetup. But he's a He's a genius mind to be around. For sure. And that relationship has developed. Donnie Wiggins, right? People yeah. I would, but not only that, I'm a little older than your group. Mm -hmm. So it allows me to remain young. But not only that, it also allows me to do what I like to do. Teach. Mentor, yeah. Mentor. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a happy place for me. For sure. Right? And you may not have been like on this interview if you weren't in the morning meetup because we didn't talk all the time, but now we see each other every day. I'm like, yo. And he dropped bars. I'm like, yeah, you gotta be on the, you gotta be on the podcast. Yeah. So it, it just gives me a, it, it's it's a win-win. It gives me a platform. Right? Like you said, I would never have this opportunity. But not only that, in my business, things change. And 
in some senses, we were doing, I was doing things the old way, not realizing that there's a whole new generation right now that does things a whole different way. That's why I come to your content creating class. Not because I've, you can always be a student. What I've learned from the content creation course, Jose, Donnie, right? Uh, um, Ernestine, Mm -hmm. you, I mean, it's crazy, right? Those are things that I would not have learned had I not joined the morning meetup. So there are things that I'm learning that is now allowing me to elevate my my, my Legal Shield business. So um, I always tell people, don't come for the product, come for the, for the purpose, right? So I'm not, even though people are talking about all these different great opportunities, I'm not going to be the one to jump on, oh, now I need to go do Airbnb, or now I need to go do Toro, or now I go to do Bitcoin. Or, I'm not going to be that guy. I'm going to be the Legal Shield guy. Sure. Point sure. blank. 100%. That's been my foundation. That's what, you know what I mean? But what I'm learning from all these people and all these other successful businesses is success principles. Marketing, how they market what they market. I can use what they use to market whatever they're marketing, in my business to market my business. I'm always looking to learn how can I do what I do better. And sometimes you have to go outside of your industry to see what somebody else is doing different in a different industry to come back to yours and make yours more successful. 100%. Dang, okay, that that's the whole commercial right there, themorningmeetup.com. <laughs> go to themorningmeetup.com, and we're going to do something very special for you. You can join for a dollar just to see what Mr. Edwards is talking about. If it's a fit for you, um, great. You can stay around. You found out. If it's not a fit for you, well, you invested a dollar, okay? And not a dollar per call, but you get a whole week for one dollar just to see if it's, you know, right for you, fits in your schedule, all that kind of stuff. And we have a book club where uh, we're reading books, which is very impressive. Hundreds of people Bruh. are all reading the same book. Let it's me, crazy. Let me, let me talk to you about this. So um, we've always has, our, our team has always had a book of the month. And what I'm getting ready to think I'm start going to implement too is just a 15-minute call because it's the difference maker. Yeah. I have read every book since January cover to cover. That's a good thing. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And it's been a lot easier to do because I know if I don't read this, I can't contribute tomorrow. Yeah. And someone's going to be looking for me to say something. <laughs> <laughs> right. I feel the same pressure, bro. But not only that, it, 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 here's what you don't, here's what, what, what people don't, well, well, what I didn't realize. It's just the getting started part. So if you say, hey, we're going to be reading this book of the month, but there's no accountability to say, here's the call where we go over it. I could always say I read it when I didn't. Yeah, yeah. Right? I can always pick it up and put it down. Yeah. But when the next morning people are going to be like, so this is what we're talking about, da, 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 it makes a difference. Yeah. So, yeah. So, trust me, that's going to be stolen. I'm going to bring that back to the team. As you we're should. We're going to implement a 50. It just, and the good news is we get it done in 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's going to be a 15-minute call. Every day at this time we're going to get together on Zoom for 15 minutes and just talk about what we read in the book yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. That's what we're going to implement. Game changer. Look, go to themorningmeetup.com. I'd love to see you in the morning. Also, we got a Patreon now, right, Javon? You got the Patreon. Uh, so after this interview, we're going to uh, kind of chop it up for, for a little bit uh, just for the Patreon members. And uh, yeah, man, the link is in here somewhere below. It's Patreon. What is it? Patreon.com forward slash David Never Sleeps, okay? Forward slash David. Why isn't it like Social Proof Podcast? That was my dis- I made that up. All right, well, Patreon for slash David never sleeps. Okay, we can stop uh, blaming Jovan for stuff. All right, cool. 
<laughs> Make sure I roll. We got a couple of different tiers. If you just want to support, you can support. That'd be awesome. Okay. Um, all right, man. We got we got to wrap it up, man, because we we've been here for a good little minute. But the amazing interview. Was it good, y'all? You enjoyed it? I'm you know, I'm taking so many away. And you know, like you always say, facts tell and stories sell. It's the stories that make the teaching real because I can see it. I can see it in pictures now. You know what I mean? Like telling someone they're beautiful, and now I see the girl that's burnt in the story. Like I, I feel something. You know what I mean? So yeah, man, this is an amazing interview. So first off, how do they get in touch with you? Uh, so my, uh, Alistair Edwards on Instagram. No, it's not. Alistair dot Edwards. A L I S T A L I S T A I R dot dot. E-D-W-A-R-D-S, Alistair.Edwards on Instagram. Yeah. And there's opportunity, like, if, if you want to join you with, like, Legal Shield. Um, so there is a link tree on my Instagram mm-hmm. that will go in there, and it'll say if you want to partner with me or become an associate, yeah. it's on there. Yo, real quick, because I have a membership, am I, like, automatically a, a member? Not a member, but an associate? No. It doesn't work that way? No. That's a $99 one-time fee. $99 one-time? Mm-hmm. So I don't got to pay monthly? No. All right. Why didn't you tell me? I just... I, Dave, I told you. You didn't tell me. Yes. I'll give you the $99. Because I'm paying it anyway. Because yeah. I'm for my own service. Let's go. All right. So they so they might join my team. Let's do it. You mess around. Join my team. Get some more residuals going. Okay. All right. Um. Cool. Uh, one, thank you, man. Thank you. Not only for this interview, but uh, your friendship and your mentorship and your guidance throughout my journey because I honestly don't and I still talk to Jonathan Green on a regular basis and um, I I may have not been here if it wasn't for those 10 core commitments that I learned in prepaid legal read 10 books of a uh, 10 pages of a good book the, a gym, the uh, Jim Rohn CDs oh uh, the gym I was introduced to Jim Rohn <laughs> Through free man. So the I, foundation I foundation of life <laughs> the foundation bro so uh, I want to say thank you and I gotta ask the question um, where do you see yourself in the next five to 10 years mm-hmm. so that we can look back at this interview uh, five to 10 years from today and say, yo, Alistair said he was going to do that five years ago. Look, he did it. So master sales training from the stage and um, empowering Creighton, a hundred six-figure ring earners. A mm. hundred people that make six figures. Yeah. There it is. There it is. How close are we? So on my team personally right now, I'm right at number 11. So you created 11? Personally. Personally. I mean, I've helped several people do it, but I mean on my team. Now, I'm a part of a team that has 119. Dang. There are 26 of us that have earned over a million dollars. Some have earned as much as... 12 million or more. Dang. It's one thing to make six figures. It's another thing to help people make six figures. Yeah. We've done that 11 times. Yeah. Next five to 10 years. But my mentor, Darnell Self, has done it 190, 120 out. times. Darnell Self. I, 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 I always tell oh him, I, I, I always tell him, I say, look, my goal is to have more ring earners than you. Mm-hmm. It'll never happen because I'm a part of his team. Right, right. <laughs> but that's the goal. Yo, whatever most, bar he sets, I gotta hit it. Yo, in my in my uh, hierarchy of like people who the way they present information affected me the most. It's 
Jim Rohn, then Darnell Self. I'm talking about all time. Oh, I agree. All time. I, I agree. I still have like the and, 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 and I think what it is is the way he does it with such humility. He could be making way more money than what he's making right now. 100%. He probably gives away more training, more bars than anybody 100%. I know. I say he probably gives away more training or more bars than anybody I know. 100%. There's, he speaks on more platforms voluntarily where he, other people speaking on the same platform are paid thousands and bring half the content. I need him on the pod. He's got to be on the pod. We need Darnell Self on the pod. I, man, you have no idea how much I look up to this man. So, uh, all right, man, we, look, we, we got to get out of here. We got to give some, some, some love to our Patreon members. But, man, thank you so much. I need you to close this out with a bar, okay? I need you to close this out with something to remember. Put a bow on this whole conversation, okay? Um, and then, yeah, close out. Everything is in the activity, right? Never be concerned with the outcome. Always be concerned with the activity. Meaning, especially in sales, I never tell people to be concerned with whether the customer says yes or no. What I want you to be more concerned about is how did you present the information to the customer? It's the activity. If you do it right, you do it consistent, you do it with integrity, everything will work out. Yeah. But you got to do it. Gotta do it. Yeah, most people don't go through the do it process. Stick to the activity. Mm. Never be concerned with the outcome. Take the emotions out of it. We get emotional too quick in decisions. Two people said, no, I'm done for the day. Right, right, right. <laughs> when the third person was like, I need that. Where'd he go? Right. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I was waiting a lot. I was waiting a lot. Damn, he's closed already. <laughs> do the activity and be consistent with it. There it is. Listen, do me a favor, man. Go get you some social proof. Go build something. Document the journey, okay? Remember how you did it. And then go back to your community and see somebody else how to do it as well, okay? So go get you some social proof. We are out of here. Peace. What if I told you for $1, I will introduce you to hundreds of entrepreneurs every single morning this week? From all across the country, you'll be able to talk to hundreds of entrepreneurs and I'll coach you. I'll coach you for a dollar this whole week. And I'll introduce you to some of my successful friends for a dollar this week. Would you would you take part in that? Well, go to themorningmeetup.com because that's exactly what we're doing here, okay? The only organization that gathers entrepreneurs every single day for the betterment of entrepreneurship, okay? Every single day, Monday through Friday, we gather, we're growing, we're learning. We got a book club. Have you ever seen hundreds of entrepreneurs reading the same book? Every single chapter, every single day, we're growing together, okay? You need the environment to grow in. TheMorningMeetup.com, a dollar. I'm going to give you all this for a dollar. If you want to stay, great. It's $79 a month after that. If not, no obligation. You can leave whenever you want, all right? TheMorningMeetup.com. I'll see you in the morning.